Welcome to Clarity Connects, where we talk about the human essence in brands. I am your host, Tusef Mirza. All of us wants to create impact, but in this day and age of information overload and technology, it's really easy to feel lost. So it's crucial to get back to basics in order to gain the clarity we need to steer in the right direction. When it comes to brands, let's not forget who we are creating these brands for, for human beings. Therefore, understanding human attributes is essential. The topics that we will be covering will range from personal branding, corporate branding, leadership, team building, and marketing. We will also give ourselves the space to contemplate on how to best utilize the power of branding, marketing, and business to create profitability and also genuine connection to human beings and positivity for the good of the world. Thank you for joining me. And now let's explore how Clarity connects for creating true impact. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Clarity Connects, where we talk about the human essence in brands. Today, I have a really special guest, one of my best friends, and also my business partner, Brooke Vines. Hi. Hi, Tusef. I'm so excited that you're you're part of this. It's one of the first few episodes, and I can't imagine having anybody else. Just We have had so many conversations, so this is a great one that we can share with everybody. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yes. So uh, me and Brooke have actually spent the past um, four days and even five days, um, pretty intense days at Ad Week in New York City. Um, most of you in the advertising field know what Ad Week is. Um, for those who don't, it's one of the biggest advertising conferences um, on the planet. Um, it lasts four days, and it's not just like one talk at a time. There's usually like about seven or eight talks at a time, and you're kind of running around and um, just taking in as much um, valuable content as you can. And uh, since me and Brooke went there this past week, we thought it would be a great way to to talk about what we learned, um, sort of like our clarity moments, and share that with you uh, from uh, the human essence perspective. So one thing I have to say, because it's so obvious for looking at Brooke in front of me right now, um, Ad Week, it's, a bit, it's our fifth Ad Week together. Our fourth anniversary. Our, our fourth anniversary. Fifth Ad Week. Mm-hmm. Fifth Ad Week. Yeah, so because that's where we actually met five ad weeks ago. And do you remember how we met, Brooke? Yeah, I do. We were in line to get books signed by Seth Godin. You know, the great Seth Godin. I was in line to get a book because I didn't get one because I got there too early. But we were in line for an hour and started talking. And by the end of it, I said, well, we're going to be lifelong friends. We just stood here and talked for an hour. Let's go get a drink. And we've been (laughs) friends ever since. And and that is the truth. And then, you know, four years later, um, since then, you've become my business partner. We've done two conferences together, one Core, uh, core Connect talk uh, this year. And now I'm doing a podcast and we're still like completely passionate and just still excited about where we're going. So thank you for the ride, yeah, Brooke. It's been great. A lot of life has happened in the last four years. I can't believe it's been four years. I know. Okay. So uh, that's just a little bit about us, and so you know a little bit about Brooke. Um, so what we're going to do today is first I wanted to just talk about just a general overarching um, sort of 
summary that came through from Ad Week this week. And then what we'll do is that each of us will share sort of our top three clarity moments, and we can expand on that. So in terms of an overarching notion from Ad Week, I was actually really encouraged this year. Um, I really felt that we are heading in the right direction as an, as an industry, that before in the past few years, we were sort of stuck in the digital and technology and programmatic world. And all those things are can be good, but there was a little bit too much emphasis on that. And we were losing a little bit of the creativity and the, um, the human aspect. Um, and I feel that this year, and tell me if you agree, Brooke, I find that this year we're, we're really uh, focusing back on genuinely connecting on a human level in terms of what is advertising and how to connect with hearts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that part of our frustration in coming together in the first place was that people had been reduced to data points and were being commoditized. And now they have figured out how to look at us as humans and use the data to enhance that. So we're we're back to talking to people as people again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm super excited about uh, how this is also going to evolve because now, see, when you think about it, Ad Week, because there's so many people that come to Ad Week, there's like tens of thousands of people that come to Ad Week, all these people are being exposed to these messages. So you know what happens there is actually really important because it influences the industry at large. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great that we, we, we are, we're connecting at this level and we're moving forth with that. So now let's go in terms of clarity moments for each one of us. So for me, I'll start. My first clarity uh, moment from uh, from this week, I would have to say that the most pre- predominant theme that kept, kept coming up to uh, my happy surprise was a purpose and social good and cause marketing. And uh, there was even a stat that was shown in one of the um, in one of the talks, which was that studies now show that seventy seven percent of brands could simply disappear and no one would care. And I think the word here that we need to focus on is the word actually not seventy seven percent. Well, that's a big number, but it's the word care. So how do you make people care about something? Is that you really have to understand from their perspective in terms of what matters to to them. And um, even from the very first talk that we got in, I think on Monday morning, we went to a talk with um, the CMO of Verizon, Diego Scotti, and he was joined by the, um, the, literally the head of IPG, uh, Michael Roth, the CEO of of IPG. And uh, like those are big powerhouses, right? Verizon is huge, and IPG is a humongous holding company. And both of them were talking so much about about purpose and how he understands. Uh, like for example, um, Diego was saying just how much about it a few years ago. It became really crystal clear that Verizon needed to come from a perspective of purpose. And one thing that Michael Ross uh, said was that purpose driven brands have has many benefits. Because it relates better with consumers, it attracts greater talent, and companies want to work with you. 
because they also want to be associated with other brands that are on purpose. Um, we also went to the Social Good Summit. Brands such as Anheuser-Busch, who talked about um, how they are backing up sustainability through their program of 100-plus accelerator uh, sustainability program, where they basically uh, put out all these different types of programs out in the world and find different solutions so that you use less energy and become more efficient in in doing all different types of processes. Well, and they're funding startups by being the startup's biggest client. So you have these great progressive people who have come up with this technology to to pursue sustainability, mm-hmm. but it's hard to get capital when you're a startup. And so right, right. Anheuser-Busch will adopt their technology. And then once, once you have somebody like that as a client, you're set. You're going to stay in business. Uh, we obviously saw Lion's Share. So Lion's Share, this is something that actually I work on with you with the United Nations Development Program and it's an awesome initiative that really brings together uh, the purpose part but also really connects that really well with uh, advertising so what Lionshare does is that they basically um, are, are there for uh, saving uh, wildlife and helping animal welfare but the way they do that is very ingenious they actually um, partner up with brands And whenever that brand uses an animal in their ads, 0.5% of the media spend goes to Lionshare. And then Lionshare uses that to fund uh, wildlife uh, preservation programs. And what's great about that is that the brand this way can actually sort of almost um, gain a little bit of the equity of the trust that an entity of service has, such as the UNDP. And so, as we know, since consumers want to advocate and support businesses that matter to them, it's much easier to support a business that they trust. So it's a great way for for brands to elevate um, their brand equity. It's a great way for consumers to feel good that they're advocating for business. And let's not forget about the animals. Yeah, the thing that made the biggest impression on me about that was that they were able to pretty much stop elephant poaching through a purchase of $50,000 worth of radio equipment Mm -hmm. that tracks. And I'm not, I wasn't really sure how it did that, Mm -hmm. but I was really struck by how small that investment was and that they were able to figure out how to do that. And now a problem that's been a problem my whole life has really stopped. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really can do a lot with a little. Um, All right. So why don't you share one of your clarity moments, Brooke? Oh, well... I think I'm going to start with the session that we heard this morning. You know, it's been, it, it was the year of the woman this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, it was women aren't getting a seat at the table. And this year, the women were running the table. And yeah. um, we saw this morning a a section called Boss Moms. Mm-hmm. And um, our dear friend, Monique Nelson. Who was so awesome. Who's so beautiful and wonderful and smart. And yes. owns Uniworld Group, UWG. She was on it. And, um, you know, this is a this is an issue that's near and dear to my heart. I have 10-year-old twins, Fisher and Bella, mm. and, um, and you know, really started my agency so that I would have the flexibility to be a mom. So hearing how people who are top for performers, being able to relate to them um, was really encouraging to me because, you know, when you're a mom, it's, they're just universal truths. And so 
um, we all have set out with uh, the goal of giving moms the flexibility to have work-life balance and to be present for their kids. But, you know, the pendulum almost swung too far in the mom direction in the past few years. And Monique Nelson said something that really struck me, which was, we also need to really support the dads. Mm. That if we give the dads the same flexibility, the same time off, that ultimately that helps the moms. A lot of times the mom is the breadwinner anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I'd never really considered that from the male perspective, but it's true. I mean, the more he can pull his weight— and um, and the example was thrown out there that, oh, yeah, my husband got two days off after I had my baby. That wasn't helpful. Right. Yeah. So now for the first time, it's okay to talk about being a mom. And, you know, it wasn't. It was something we had to hide and we had to conform mm-hmm. and we had to pretend like work was still our main goal. And now, you know, it, the vulnerability is what's so powerful. And what they were really encouraging women to do is if you've got to go breastfeed and you're in a position to where you can go and do that, right. say that that's what you're doing. Tell right. the truth. Tell your truth about I need to go be with my sick kid. I need to go breastfeed instead of go to this meeting because that's going to help other women who either aren't in the position to or don't have the courage to speak up but have the same need. Right. I thought that was a very profound statement. And, and along the theme of speaking your truth, which has been— one of the themes that I've picked up on in a lot of the sessions. So I just thought that that was very helpful. I think the three words that they were talking about that resonated, which the moderator said as well, is is to be able to be vulnerable. Because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe other women haven't said that. So there's a certain vulnerability in, in like having these conversations that you usually don't have in the workplace. Uh, the second thing is really being honest and not sugarcoating it. Just say it as it is and just being truthful to where you're at. So, I mean, all those three are actually really good, not just for moms, but for in any situation, but especially in a mom situation, because not a lot of people are still having these conversations in an open way. That's right. And I wanted to expand a little bit more on on the on the women's side. One of the things that I'm realizing, because I've been to Adweek for, for, for many years, what I've noticed this time around, there was a different energy in most of the panels. But I think this year what was different is that the... The, the women were on the panel, but they were just being more themselves. And they were just speaking much more from, from the heart. They weren't saying as much what they were supposed to say, but they were really saying what they wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that elevated really much more uh, the emotionality and sort of truly our perspective. And I, I, I felt that the conversations were much more diverse. All right, I will talk about a second clarity moment for me. And this one is is really sort of really overarching in the sense that I'm realizing that everything is really connected. And what I mean by that is it all starts with the culture that we are in right now. And the culture that we are in right now is very woke. But not just because it's woke. It's woke and we have technology and we have social media and because of different crises that are happening, such as climate change, people want to use technology, want to use social media to really voice their opinions. And the effect of that is that is forcing brands to listen and to recognize that people are really standing up for their values. And therefore, as a brand, if you want to connect with them, you have to have, you have to become an entity of value. And I think also 
another thing that was really resonating from the perspective that everything is connected is that as much as technology is is um, is going faster and we have more of it, there's becoming more and more of a need to have true human feeling connection experiences. Uh, maybe because we feel as much as we are connected through technology, we feel disconnected with other human beings. And so, so there's sort of like a, that's sort of like the other side of the coin. Do you want to add anything to that, Brooke? I mean, for sure, people have always looked for brands that have a purpose, but right now it's very mainstream to choose who you do business with based on what their value system is. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Brooke, why don't you share with us um, another, your second clarity moment? Well, I was in this great workshop um, by probably one of the most impressive young people I've ever seen. Mm. Um, it was about Gen Z comparing Gen Z to millennials. And, you know, we had a very different conversation about millennials a few years ago. Can you say, for, for those of you who, who don't know exactly the, the demographics of that, can you say what Gen Z is? So Gen Z are the next group of workers. They're right now 14 to 23. And the millennials, depending on where you look, you know, it kind of varies, but they're about 24, 25 to the upper 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my millennial friends in their upper 30s don't claim it, but, you know, it <laughs> <laughs> depends on who they're talking to. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, without without everybody knows millennials and, and what, you know, they're, what they were about, Gen Z is completely night and day different. Mm. And um, the, the man, the young man. How old was he? He was 20. Okay. Ziad Ahmed, mm. had, he um, he founded a nonprofit when he was eight that still wow. exists. It's it was for teens, still run by teens, called Redefy, and it's about inclusion and acceptance. And I, I, you know, when you read about it, it's amazing that an eight year old had that kind of vision. Mm-hmm. But when he was sixteen, he founded uh, JUV Consulting, and their work what. What their mission is, is don't talk about us. Don't talk about Gen Z. Talk to us. Mm. And he has a network of 2,000 people in that in that generation, um, at least 20 Fortune 500 clients. So the brands are consulting with them directly. Gen Z, what is it that you want? What is it that you like? Where is it that you're on social media? Tell us how you speak. You know, they have they really have their own twin language that's completely different. Yeah. That doesn't use vowels. That's this text language that they adapt to. I mean, it's very, it's just, it's just, it's just so different. Mm-hmm. But you know, they are, you know, it's it's a very important generation right now because for the first time, I think. Because of their savvy with social media and they know how to use the memes and they know how to really kind of bust people out online, mm. um, they're really being heard. People, and they're very outspoken already. They're, they are political because they have never lived in a time of peace. They've all lived huh. since 9-11. Mm. They've all lived through the financial crisis, mm-hmm. through a lot of issues abroad and at home in politics, a lot of mistrust. And so they they cannot avoid learning about politics and what's going on in the world because they are they were born with a phone in their hand. Mm-hmm. So they're they're not removed from it like like we were. I mean, I feel like I had a childhood and I didn't have to know about politics until I was quite a bit older mm-hmm. or at least a teen, you know. So so these kids, 59% of them were actually fearful 
of the future. And so they're activists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know that we were looking at the Social Good Summit and Greta made such a big appearance this week at the U.N., yeah. And, you know, she mobilized the entire world to walk out and make that statement last week. You had mm-hmm. Emma from the shootings last year. Right. And, you know, I just think about how powerful they don't vote. They can't vote. They mm-hmm. don't have a vote. Right. But they have one of the strongest voices. Right. Because nobody believes the grownups anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. You're talking about Greta and, and Emma. And one of the things that came to my head when you said that is both of them— what I loved about both of them is that both of them show their frustration yeah, and channel it in such an effective way, in a clear way. You know, um, just Greta this week. And, and, you know, she's like, basically, we're watching you and we know you messed up and you're not going to get away with it. And and I think that that's one of that's what I mean by the even women at large, I feel we're just getting more in touch with our emotions and being to express it. All right. So I will go through my last uh, clarity moment, clarity moment number three for me. Uh, And this was, it's more specific to a platform that I didn't know that much about, but I was hearing a lot of buzz about it inadvertently here and there. And that's TikTok. And TikTok, how should I explain it? I finally like got on it and got an account this week because I wanted to know what the fuss is about. And it's all these like really mini videos played by a lot of hip hop music that really the young generation is using just for fun, it seems. Well, th- those are the ones that I've seen. It's possible. And I did see a couple that had like this really awesome like art type of like s- s- short snippets. Um, but... It's what? like the it's like a more robust version of the Vine. Remember the Vine? Yeah, you had the seven second videos that were loops. Mm-hmm. These are longer. They're lip syncing. They can edit. They can put special effects on there right from their mobile device. And what's happening in the culture is things like like there's this thing called the Visco Girl that I won't get into. But if you look at it, if you Google that, it's a fascinating thing how someone can put something clever out on TikTok and it goes viral faster than anywhere else. Mm. So brands are using it to create, um, you know, innovative, creative videos. And then the TikTok users will copy that and then they go viral. So Mm -hmm. your message is amplified just from people who are bored and want to make videos of themselves. Mm. So the thing for me, the the clarity moment for this one is to really recognize that currently, like right now in September of 2019, that's the hot social media platform that is growing the fastest. And for the moment. But for, now that yes. we know about it, it's probably on the way out. Yeah, maybe in about three months. We still have <laughs> a three-month window, I think. Um, and uh, the talk was with the CEO of TikTok. His name is uh, Blake Shandley. And he was joined on stage by Gary Vaynerchuk, as probably a lot of you know. And those of you who don't know him, he's the CEO of VaynerMedia. And he's really good in terms of understanding culture and the beat that it's going at from a social media standpoint. And one of the things that he was, he was actually really fascinated about TikTok and, and how fast it grew. I think it's it's been two, it's only been like two years, I think, mm-hmm. since it's been on the market. Um, and one of the things that he said is not just specifically pertaining to TikTok, but I thought it was a really good takeaway, which was he said that basically 
every single time when social when there's a platform like this that opens up and he's like every time this happens at Adweek like once every couple of years you have this amazing social media platform that completely blows up and it's everywhere meanwhile brands are trying to figure out well you know do we really want to like get on there what's the longevity of this platform what's the ROI what's the ROI like right now later are we going to like reach the people we want to reach is it worth our worth our investment Show me some data. And meanwhile, at that point, it's almost already dying. So his point is if something is actually hot, figure it out on how to bring your brand value and in a way that is actually in alignment with the way you communicate your brand and use that platform to gain attention. Because right now what's happening is it's content saturation in in, in almost all of the social media platforms. And right now, a platform like TikTok right now, at the end of September 2019, um, you actually have a lot of attention versus the content. And usually it's the flip side for all the other social media outlets, which is you have too much content and not enough attention. So his whole thing is we hope we learned the lesson this time because who knows how long TikTok is going to stay around. And and once it dies off, if it does, and, you know, obviously the CEO wasn't too happy about that mm-hmm. as he was sitting right next to him. <laughs> not, but, my, not my social media. Yeah, not, no, mine is different. Um he goes, and then we'll we'll have this conversation again. But this is a recurring thing, and people need to understand how to um, really take advantage as much as possible of, of a good thing when it's happening. Um, and the other thing that 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 he mentioned about TikTok that I think is a plip- obviously applicable to TikTok, but you know, on other platforms as well, is that the reason why. It, it's effective to put branded content on TikTok is that they fi- that TikTok figured out a way to present that content in the least amount of friction. And so there's a fluidity that happens and it's actually not di- uh, disrupting or disturbing the experience of what the consumer wants to experience as opposed to, for example, a pop-up on the screen. You know, like when you're actually consuming content you want and all of a sudden it, it, it's high friction because it literally stops you in your tracks. Well, it's very, very native. They've done the best job of right. native content. So Walmart is doing a great job of this. And I mentioned them. They're an Arkansas company, which is where I'm from. So they have, you know, there's everybody. If you haven't noticed her, her voice. <laughs> I don't have an accent. No, no. Beautiful accent, girl. Keep going. <laughs> Thank you. So they have, they have videos where they'll have a, a Walmart associate um, you know, I'm saving so much money in Walmart doing happy dance. And he looks just like people that are making TikTok videos. He's lip syncing, he's dancing, he's acting silly. Mm. And so you have people in the TikTok community remaking that. So they go into Walmart and they do their experience of Walmart of saving money. And they're recreating the Walmart campaign because it's just, it, it sparked a thing. Chipotle mm-hmm. is doing something similar. There's a whole, there's a whole category of people making their own mess with tacos mm-hmm. and, uh, and burritos from Chipotle's mm. because the, because the native content fits so well right. in the environment that it doesn't seem like an ad. It seems like they're part of the community. And I've, and that's unprecedented in social media. Very few people have done a good job of that on the other platforms that I've seen. Mm. Very good. All right. So let's move on to the last clarity moment. So your clarity moment number three, Brooke. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, for the first time ever at Advertising Week, 
<laughs> there was a panel on meditation <laughs> that actually began with meditation. Hallelujah. Was it Bikram? You, have, you put your hands above your head and you breathe really hard. I thought I was going to hyperventilate, but it was really powerful. Yeah. So when I tell you things have changed at Ad Week, things have changed. There's much more human stuff going on. Well, it, it was mind-blowing to me because, you know— um, Joseph may have mentioned that we had a conference, but we talked about you've got to connect with yourself before you can connect with your team and take your message out into the world. And this is basically what they were saying in this session. Mm. And, you know, when we did our conference, I, we, I was afraid of it getting too woo-woo, especially in my hometown and starting with the meditation. And this one started with not just a moment of silence <laughs> and controlled breath, but like the hyperventilating, really like let's go into the— yeah, it was very intense and wonderful. And then everybody was awake and mm. receptive and mm. energized and, and open to what they were going to say. And um, But what I found the most fascinating about it really was that Karan Rai, he owns an equity firm called—he's uh, the founder and CEO of Asgard Partners. He's a finance guy. Mm. He does consulting. He helps mentor small businesses— the fact that he got behind this and he is mentoring CEOs with this. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a, a woman named Amanda who has a meditation company called Ziva. She's mentoring high performers, celebrities, CEOs, anybody that, um, you know, has a really high stress, high profile job. And, uh, and the theme is the same. You have to start with meditation. That is going to clear your mind. That is going to give you access to your creativity. And I love that it's becoming a mainstream thing. Yeah. And I love that it's also reaching the capitalists, that it's mm -hmm. not just the spirit community. And so when Karan was asked, how do you optimize business? He said, business is a collection of humans, so you can only optimize your humans. Mm. So you go be alone and come back when you are the best human that you can be. And he has this system of accountability. He calls it ethos, that every leader has their own ethos, which is who they are when they are the best version of themselves. For example, if you are love, you say, I am love, mm -hmm. and then you do something that's not loving, then they'll hold each other accountable by saying, was that a loving thing to do? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's the loving thing to do? And I, I feel like he said, if you can inspire people to show up as the best version of themselves, then the little stuff just takes care of itself. Mm. You run through a lot of the management and HR issues. They, are just, they just take care of themselves. So they re-energize the ethos every day. They have a weekly meeting where they touch base and check in about this kind of thing. And then they also demonstrate really good leadership by finding where the people fit, removing the obstacles to help them succeed. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's just good leadership that everybody can learn from. It's good leadership. And also uh, what, what, he, what he is doing and other companies have started to do is to really create a, a safe place and give permission for people to to be in that that space, that mindset, that heart space, and that's that's something that really needs to come from the top down. And so you so need leadership, and then and then understand how that can actually be cultivated and really help the team. Um, feel safe in feeling that way and expressing themselves that way. So Jason Harris, the president and CEO of Mechanism, had my favorite quote from the entire session. And he said, don't chase success. Success is right where you are mm. right now. And I was so struck by that. That has definitely been my experience. I know that. Can my, you say it again? Say the quote again. Don't chase success. Mm -hmm. Success is where you are right now. Okay. 
Yeah. So think about that Mm -hmm. for just a second, where you are right now, Mm -hmm. where you were, how you got to this point, Mm -hmm. whether you're in a hard time or a prosperous time. And the year that the year that Tusef and I met at Advertising Week, my media buying company was in a very difficult place. I was having trouble with the digital transformation. It was before there was a lot of automation. There was a lot of buzzwords and tech. And um, let's see, what was that? Four years ago. Yeah. Um, so I was searching. I was searching for other options. Can I keep doing this anymore? Can I keep up with the new marketplace? And I just think about how if it hadn't been for that crisis that I had in life and career, I would have never met Tusef. I, I would have never been searching for a different path at Adweek. I would have never had all of these revelations about mindfulness and connection. And the Core Connect Conference was born out of mm-hmm. that crisis. Mm-hmm. But it took that crisis. Had my company been healthy and strong at that time, I wouldn't have been looking down other avenues. Mm -hmm. And now the company's healthy again. It's like everything came back up and came back together. Mm -hmm. But the universe has a way of pushing you where you're supposed to be. And sometimes that means squeezing you where you are. And so a lot of times they, if you're being poked by things that feel like darts, that's Mm -hmm. just, that's just the universe's way of getting you on the, on the path you're supposed to be on. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought that was so insightful for him to say that because when you're in a hard time professionally or personally, you don't consider where you are to be success or that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, people will say, oh, this too shall pass, but you know, you really don't, you can't see the big picture at that time. And I love how he just summed it up in that one sentence. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is hard when we sometimes go through hard times, but it isn't it Steve Jobs that that said that in in one of his commencement speeches at a certain point that you can only connect the dots looking backwards. You can never connect the dot looking forward. And so you have to believe that at the end of the day, things will work out. You have to be putting one foot in front of the other and going through the gunk on a daily basis and doing the work. And eventually, somehow things fall into into place in even more magical places that you didn't even think. Uh, like who, who life is beautiful. Think? Life is so beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love you, Brooke. I love you too, too, Seth. <laughs> I'm so glad I know you. <laughs> Me too. Um, all right. So I hope all of you enjoyed the uh, clarity moments from Adweek. One of the things that we also went to go see was Madonna. That was so exciting. I I mean, we literally, I think we got tickets like three days before. We're just like, yeah, you're coming to New York. We're going. Wait, wait, wait. Let me just add. It was in a 2,000-seat venue, an opera house in Brooklyn. Very intimate. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Very um, Madam X. Yes, as Madam X. And the reason why we want to talk about this is, you know, we talk about the human essence and brands. um, And the human essence... And when you talk about creativity, a lot of creativity is is also about art and it's about artists. And this is how they connect with people. And this is why advertising works. Advertising works not just from a technology standpoint, but because of the connection it has with people. And that comes through creativity because it connects with us on an emotional level. And that is really a form of art. And uh, Madonna does her art. And God knows she's an amazing influencer and and knows how to use her art. But one thing that me and Brooke didn't um, foresee 
when we uh, got out of our, our cab when we got to Brooklyn was, Brooke, would you like to say? Oh, my gosh. I stressed out <laughs> the whole way about not having enough charge in my phone because I was going to pretty much broadcast live the whole show or videotape it. And as soon as we walked through the door, they locked up our phones. So I don't. Concept. So I don't know if this was my first experience. Have you had you ever had that happen? I have never taken my phone. I've never had my phone taken away before, and I felt very violated yeah, Brooke by that. Brooke is very, very close with her phone. I mean, I'm close too, but she's she's more close. But so when I, when we mean lock the phones, we literally mean that they said put your phone on airplane, put it in this pouch, say bye bye to their phone, and then they somehow they like turn a knob in this like gray pouch, and then they give you back the pouch, but you can't open it. They have to open it. It was locked at the end. It was locked, and so. Well, obviously, you didn't have to stress out for the battery. because. <laughs> but not only was it locked, then she was three hours late starting yes, the show. Like three. So we had we had three hours to sit there. And, you know, people watching probably used to be a lot more interesting in the 80s at a Madonna concert when we were all still under 40. <laughs> 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 and it was pretty normal looking crowd. Yeah. Um, for the most part. So, yeah, for three hours... Um, yeah. So what was interesting is at the beginning, I think a lot of people were just didn't know what to do with themselves, you know, because we're so used to, especially if we're waiting for something, everybody's on their phones. I mean, especially in New York City, like everybody's on their phones. And so everybody was kind of didn't know where to look or you could feel the unease of people at the beginning. And I would say that maybe an hour and a half or at least an hour after that, like people then started to laugh more. It became a little bit more rowdier. Started like people to talk to each other. Started to talk to each other. They went to the bar. They, it was a lot of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of merchandise buying too, oh, by the way. I never buy a concert t-shirt. <laughs> I think it was $45. <laughs> uh, so it was interesting how... The fact of taking away technology, like, focused us to talk with ourselves and, 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 and really just be more present. And we just got it, – it, it actually felt good, right? It felt really nice to actually see everybody not having their head down into a tech, tech, tech device. And there was nothing you could do about it. So it was freeing. So you can't have any guilt about not checking your phone. You can't check your phone. Nobody can check <laughs> your phone. True. You're free. Enjoy. Fly away. Fly away, little bird. You You're have free. permission to just talk. But then she said, and I thought it was so interesting, she acknowledged, I know that this is hard for you, but I really wanted everybody to be present in this room right. for this show. Right. And to just see what that's like. And, you know, when she started her career, it was it was there wasn't even a cell phone yet. And so it, to be present was, in my opinion, forced mindfulness, but also a theme of the week that everybody is starting out with mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And here she had such command over the room anyway because of her performance. But mm -hmm. then to to have that much command over what's an extension of our body anymore right. was brilliant. That in itself was art. That was, that was beautiful art. And what she said also was just like, you know, I, if I was going to do another show... I wanted to look into your eyes. I didn't wanted you to look at your phones looking through me. I want you to look at me because that's how I feel you. And and I think that people everybody just got really into it and it was actually just nice to see hands in the air. Oh, it was so It was like beautiful. church. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like church, like a prayer. People's hands were up oh, in the she, air. She played like a prayer, which was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was just, so good. I'm from the Bible Belt. It looked just like a Southern <laughs> church, rock and roll church. Um, so there's this like amazing scene that keeps coming up throughout the concert where someone is typing, and it's like this really loud typing, like word for word. And the last words of that quote is artists are here to disturb the peace. And that is a quote from James Baldwin. Say it again. Artists are here to disturb the peace. I love that. And that was just so profound because, number one, that's exactly what Madonna was doing, right? She was disturbing our peace with the phones. And she's always bringing provocative ways of looking at things so we get out of our zombie state. Mm -hmm. And we also can't forget that when we talk about advertising and creativity is that it's okay to push the envelope sometimes and to take a risk and to take a chance and see what happens. Because, you know, when you're a copywriter and and, and an art director and you're doing that stuff, like you want to be able to create. And so... I just thought that that just motivates me even more to push the envelope, um, even if it feels uncomfortable. And the very last thing I wanted to bring up, just because we've talked so much this week uh, about climate change uh, through Greta, through the Social Good Summit, it was mostly focused on on climate change as well, and rightfully so. Um, There was also mention of that from a purpose standpoint at Advertising Week. And then at the Social Good uh, Summit, there was this amazing artist. uh, artist. His name is Olafur uh, Ilasson. Ilasson. I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Olafur Ilasson. I will put it in the notes. So if somebody wants to look him up. And what he did in terms of um, really putting climate change in a much more concrete way so that people can actually relate to it in a more personal way is what he did is he actually brought back these humongous pieces of of ice from the glaciers. And when I say enormous, I mean, they're probably like five feet wide by four feet high um, and like 10 pieces like that. And that exhibit has been going from different cities across the world where it's basically like somewhere, you know, in in a public space um, in different cities. And people can actually come and actually touch the glacier. And what he was saying is when people touch the glacier, the first thing they say is, oh, it's cold. And you would think, of course, it's cold, right? Like it's it's a piece of ice. ice. But the thing is, is that to be, again, it goes back to to our humanity and how human beings experience things in a very meaningful way is when we feel something. And, and to have that sensibility of touching something connects us with the environment in a much more personal way. And by doing so, we are able to understand or be more closer to what climate change is because we will lose that piece of ice if we don't continue to... Um, advocate and and uh, advocate for climate justice. And it's melting there. They're watching it melt, right? It's yeah, melting. They're mar- the they're, and they're watching it melt. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I just find that's the beauty of, of artists, of making us feel like something that feels really untangible, uh, tangible and feeling. 
So I, I just I just absolutely love what he did. <sighs> so on that note, um, I hope you enjoyed our our clarity moments and our perspectives uh, from Ad Week, from the Social Good Summit, from climate change. There were so many different. Um, areas that we were completely excited about, excited about, and it's just very comforting and encouraging and exciting to see where everything is headed, where people being more woke, and that the advertising industry and brands recognizing that this is the right way to go from a human perspective and from a social good perspective. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you so much, Brooke, for being my guest. This was so awesome. Thank you for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, and I'm sure you will be on again. So uh, thank you so much, and I hope to talk to you soon. Bye-bye.